0: Pastor Stephen Brooks and welcome today to our Sunday morning online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here today. We're going to jump into the Word of God and learn about the wonderful wisdom of God today. But first let's receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God. I would like to share a scripture with you from Isaiah chapter 33. And if you're able to turn there with me, I would like to invite you to do just that This will be Isaiah 33, and let's drop down to verse 6, and listen to this very carefully. I believe this will bless you and help you financially. Now, it says that wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times, and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. Okay, so wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. This provides strength for your salvation experience, walking in the wisdom and knowledge of God. And of course, it's tied also into the fear of the Lord, because wisdom is initiated through Walking in the understanding of the fear of the Lord, which is to hate evil and to turn away from sin. Praise God. My friends, God wants you to walk in wisdom and knowledge because it produces stability in your life. And what I want to say concerning your giving, concerning your financial portfolio, is that God wants His financial stability. To be in your finances. He doesn't want you to be an unstable person, and a lack of wisdom will make you unstable in your finances. Praise God. I believe that the Lord is going to help you to have reserves that run deep so that if you ever had a challenge, if you ever had a hiccup, if you ever had something uh, come into your life unexpected, you are able to cover that for months and months and months because you have reserves and the ability to do that praise god god's going to bring his wisdom into your finances and it's going to cause a dramatic change in your financial scenario if it's healthy already it's going to become uh it's going to be like going from unleaded gas to super premium hallelujah high octane so get ready for it and if you're running uh with problems and with things uh it's almost like right now i'm seeing christians operating their finances like like trying to fix it by just putting duct tape on it you know duct tape is good uh, but it's not, it's, it's only to repair something temporarily until you can fix it right. And, uh, we, you know, we don't want to do these half-baked efforts where we just put some tape on it and we think, well, that's good enough. Well, no, that, that won't work. Uh, that's just a little fix. Let's do it right. Praise God. Let's do it right. And to do it right, we have to walk in God's wisdom. So wisdom is the stability of our times. You know, the world is going to have its unstable moments. It's uh, a situation where the markets of the global economy are driven really by fear. And sometimes it can spike, sometimes it could hit valleys, it goes up, it goes down, and it's all based on fear. Reports of what is heard in the market, reports about a hurricane reports about potential war, and it causes the markets to swing wildly, and it can be very unstable. So we want to be operating in the wisdom of God so that we always have stability. Every government wants to be stable. Every every city wants to be stable. You want the electrical grid up all the time. I've been to many places where the electricity can go off at any moment, And not only can it go off at any moment you you have no idea when it's going to come back on that's called unstable unstable and so everybody likes stability everybody likes the peace that comes from a stable government a stable region and state and you know a a good system that's set up so God wants there to be stability in your finances today we're going to be talking about the splendor of God's wisdom and I want to show you something in light of that uh, with the connection of your finances, very quickly, Second Chronicles chapter nine, verse twenty-two, it says, "So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. In riches and wisdom. So I believe that riches and wisdom are linked together. I believe that they are inseparable." praise God. And just because you have wealth or riches doesn't mean that you have to be a sinful person. Some Christians automatically in their mind, they think of wealth as being sinful. Well, if money were sinful, stop and think about this just for a moment. If money were sinful, the devil overnight would triple your income. Why? It would cause you to sin more, right? If money's sinful, well certainly the devil would try to get as much money in your hands as possible. But perhaps you've noticed that's not happening, is it? He's actually trying to keep it from you. So, my friends, there's there's nothing evil about money. Money's neutral. Uh, it only responds to the hands of the person that it finds its way into. And if the person's a righteous person, then the money can be used to as good leverage to do good things. Praise God. So, you know, Solomon, although he became very wealthy, he began to drift from the Lord. But, you know, it's not like money did that to him. That was a heart choice that he made out of a curiosity of sin, wondering what's it like on the other side of the fence. I think I'd like to explore. And so he goes into this exploration mode of trying to find out uh, what is pleasurable in life. And he gets into carnality. He gets into disobedience. Uh, he starts importing horses from Egypt. God said, do not bring horses into the land from Egypt. Don't do that. that. And he began to do that. He saw they were really pretty horses and he thought, well, you know, can't hurt that much. It's just a horse. No, you you were told not to do that. Don't get into that. And then he starts multiplying Uh, wives and he he gets all of these pagan wives and it's really the wives that began to pull him away from the Lord because they didn't serve the Lord. They served these demonic uh, entities, these gods that were worshiped that are really just fronts for demons who were behind the scenes. But it all began with small levels of disobedience, importing horses. God said, don't do that. Uh, certain other things God told Solomon not to do. He did it anyhow. And his heart got away from the Lord. It's not because he had wealth, because you can have wealth and still serve the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So God wants to take you into financial stability where you have extra, where you are blessed and As you walk in his wisdom, you're gonna see the wealth and the riches begin to show up. You don't go after the wealth and riches, you go after the Lord and you pursue his wisdom. And when you do that, that produces stability in your life and wealth and riches begin to materialize because you are operating from the right platform. You're operating from the principles of the covenant and it just works. It works. Praise God. You don't have to do gimmicks. You don't have to do wild things. You don't have to do crazy stuff. You can just work the principles of God's word. And you do that. You see the combination coming together of riches or wealth and wisdom. Praise God. But go after the Lord and go after his wisdom. Praise God. And he'll let you have his blessing. And it will be very, very peaceful in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. So today, as you honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings, whether you're bringing them online or you're mailing them in, I want you, if you're mailing them in in a a check format, I want you to write on your check, financial stability. If you're giving online, you're bringing the tithes and offerings in online in that little notation box, put financial stability, because I believe you're going to see today That there is going to be a floodgate of the wisdom of God released into your understanding, released into your life. And it's going to change your condition. And it will change your level. Absolutely. So I'm going to share some things today about God's wisdom. And I think it's going to really free up your mind to think, you know what? I can walk in this. Praise God. And you're going to. This is not just for, uh, you know, people like, Solomon. But you have to understand before it ever touched Solomon, he would be what we would just consider a nice normal guy. It was that touch of the Lord with that wisdom and understanding that transformed him into a person where kings and queens of the earth sought him out just to hear him talk. Wow. So it's that touch of wisdom and God's going to give you the same touch. We want to talk about it today. As you honor the Lord with your giving on your notation, as you give, please put financial stability. God is going to remove all financial shakiness, all uh, unstableness out of your life. You're going to have reserves. You're not going to be concerned. What happens to the markets of the world, the fluctuations of the world Why you're covered, you're strong. You have tremendous financial health, and you have depth to your finances. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, bless your people as they are responding with their giving, with their with their generous, happy hearts. Bless them with your wisdom in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Now, for those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, PO Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, our zip code 28117. If you are bringing them in online, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there right now and bring them in. Hallelujah. Now, be expecting A release of the wisdom of God into your life into your understanding the glory of God the wisdom of God are all associated with the light of God I'm telling you it's going to be like the Lord turned the light on and you're going to know exactly what you're supposed to do and exactly what you shouldn't do hallelujah praise God now having now honored the Lord through our giving, let us now move into today's message. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 9. We're going to start today in verse 1, and we want to talk about the splendor of God's wisdom. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, just as the Lord is our healer, uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, he can heal our bodies. He could also heal your finances. Woo. So if you've got some broken financial wings, God's going to heal them and you're going to fly. Praise God. And you're never going to crash again. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Stephen, what if the stock market crashes? Well, I believe if you're walking with the Lord and if such a thing were to happen, God would tell you to sell all of your stocks before it ever happened. And I've had friends tell me that's exactly what God told them to do in other countries where they were hit with great shaking. I have one uh, pastor friend, God told him, take all of your uh, stock and sell all of it and take all of your money out of the stock market. And he, he did that. And then with just in a few days after that, the whole thing collapsed. And so he's, he's now got all of his money. Whereas if he had not heard from the Lord he would have lost all of his savings but he heard from the Lord the wisdom of God God still talks Woo, hallelujah very very clearly he's going to be talking to you and you're going to do some amazing things with him as God is your business partner God the Holy Spirit is your financial advisor praise the Lord hallelujah God shining through you as a splendid testimony of his grace and goodness Woo, hallelujah. I really think the only explanation you're going to have for it is you're just going to have to tell people it's the grace of God. It's God's grace. It's God's blessing. It's God's goodness. It's God's wisdom. And it's, it's all because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. Heavenly Fathers, we jump into today's message. We ask that your Holy Spirit, the great teacher of the church, the great illuminator of your people, that he come now and just turn on the light, that your scriptures be alive and living to us and be the instruction manual that we need at this moment in our lives. Father, thank you for the great work of your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for sending him and thank you for Jesus who makes it all possible. In his name we pray and together we say amen. Praise the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, hmm, let's stop just for a moment. She's in a distant country, a long ways off. You know, it's not like you can just get on an airplane today. You know, the world has shrunk from the perspective of being able to get on a plane, and within one day, maybe some places, two days, you could reach almost any destination on the planet, Wow, isn't that wonderful? But even back in that day, the word had spread about the fame of Solomon, and it says she heard of his fame. Well, what do you suppose she heard? Well, she probably heard about the the construction of his buildings. Most, most likely, the number one thing she had heard about was the temple of God, that he had built. Now we call it Solomon's temple. Of course it's the Lord's temple but it was built by Solomon who followed the instructions that were passed on to him by his father David. So she's hearing about all of this stuff and you know people would travel and then they would come back to her area of where she lived and they were just they were stunned by what they had seen and so she keeps hearing all of this. What happens when you keep hearing something over and over and over again? Well the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that faith comes by hearing and then it tells us what you should be hearing and hearing comes by the word of God so if you are hearing something over and over and over again uh, it can capture your curiosity and it can begin to build a reality in you of faith where you think you know First time I heard it, I wasn't sure about it, but I'm getting so many testimonies and so many reports that I'm starting to believe that this is true. And if this is true, this needs to be something that I personally investigate and that I get in on. It's like hearing about a revival and you know, you, you get the testimony of enough people that, that were healed and that were touched by the power of God, whose lives were changed. You know, you start to think, you know what? I believe God's moving there. And Not only did I believe God's moving, I think I'm going to go there. I'm going to take a vacation and I'm going to jump in the river myself. Hallelujah. That's good to do. So she heard. So that is also why we need to always be hearing the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord is is a fresh word it is a proceeding word in other words what is god saying right now at this moment and you catch that word and it i tell you what it causes faith to come alive and it came alive in the in the heart of the queen of sheba to the point she says hey we're taking the trip and is she ever going to bring a a retinue a an entourage and I mean, she's obviously has been so persuaded by what she has heard that she's going to make this great, this great venture. So never underestimate the power of what you hear, the ability to hear a message. You may think I can never grab that grasp that believe that no, you keep hearing it enough and your faith will eventually kick in gear and you can grab it, step into it and do it. Okay. So she has heard of the fame of science Solomon. Well, the fame of Solomon, what is fame? It's in essence when your name is great. Now your name could be not great. So that's not fame. That's, that's uh, what we would call you not. Now you're infamous. <laughs> that's not good. He's very infamous. He has done something of a, of a very bad deed. And now we know him, but not in a positive way. Well, uh, Solomon had good fame. And I do believe that fame Uh, can be a covenant blessing God speaking of Abraham said I will make your name great in the earth and you know who hasn't heard of Abraham his name is well known all around the world through many many different generations you have you have some movie stars today they have what the world would call fame but that that fame doesn't last you know give give it 50 years, and they're gone off the scene, and and the new generation comes, they don't even know who those people are anymore. But there is a lasting and an enduring fame that God can bring, especially from the eyesight of heaven of how God views righteous fame praise the Lord and that's what we're into we're not into the world's uh, you know uh, accolades because that all that stuff is very very temporary just like the Apostle James said it's like grass here today and thrown into the oven the next day grass is very very temporary I was ministering just a few weeks back uh, in a in a certain state in a certain city And the fragrances of the Lord were coming forth. One of the men in the back, uh, uh, he said, what does this mean? He said, I'm smelling grass. I said, something very, very temporary in your life. How can I say it? Something that you're into right now, uh, it's very temporary. It's a passing thing. So don't don't get too attached to it. Praise God. If you smell grass, that means temporal passing of something. But see, the word of God is still here. There have been generations that have risen up with uh, sc- uh, scoffers and atheists and uh, famous people in the world who said, "Oh, the Bible—it'll be—it'll it, be off the, uh, off the pages of history within just a few more years." Yet they're off the pages of history, and the Word of God still doing just fine. Praise God! So we're going to stick with that which is eternal. So fame, God can give fame. Hallelujah! Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon. She came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions. I believe anything that's genuine can be held up under scrutiny. I believe if a person has a vision that we can ask about questions relating to that. If a person has a prophecy, we should be able to ask about that. And I believe if it's genuine, it can hold up. After all, you can certainly scrutinize the word of God and it's held up for thousands of years and it's quite able to defend itself. So I believe if something is genuine, we should be allowed to look into it. I I, I believe we, you know, it's okay to investigate. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because if it's real, it will be thus validated as being so. She came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions. I mean, what would have happened if Solomon said, you know, um, you know what? You've asked me another one, and I, that's not really my category. Let's let's try another category over here. And she asked another question. Well, you know, I, I have to admit, I, I don't really know. You know, she'd have left thinking, you know what? This is just a bunch of hype. This is just a bunch of baloney. But no, he's he's answering. I mean, whatever she can bring across the board. What what kind of questions is she asking? I don't really know, but I would have to think that when you are in a certain Um, position in life that you ask questions based upon your position in other words she's in leadership so she's probably asking him questions how how can I best rule and reign what is the best format to do this give give me insight I want to be a good leader and she said obviously you're doing a good job so tell me how are you doing this how can I govern in other words okay also she may have asked questions you know like, um, as you know, Solomon, I'm, I'm coming from an area where we have many drought. Conditions, what can we do? What can, what can I do as a leader of my people to get water in? How can we get water in a desert area? What, what can we do to uh, make things easier for our people? So, you know, Solomon, what can I do with these natural resources that we have? How can I extract them out of the ground the iron, uh, the ore, the gold? Uh, what can I do to make my nation prosperous? like what you have done. So I think she had a lot of questions from a whole color palette of questions. She just kept throwing all these questions at him and he's got answers for everything. I don't really think she's asking him questions about physics or about the trajectory of the moon or how the planets rotate. I don't think she's really into that, but I do think that if she threw a few of those out, uh, that he can handle physics, he can handle geometry, anything she's got in her arsenal of questions, he's got the answers. But I think she's coming at at him from the perspective of, this is what I've got to do, so help me. I I need answers in these specific areas of being able to govern and rule over my people because I want to do a good job for them. Praise the Lord. May God give us leaders, politicians that actually care about the people. And they're not, you you know, what has happened is that the the term a politician has come to mean somebody who's just in it for what they can get out of it. And it used to be that politicians actually represented their people and they are here to speak on behalf of their people, not themselves. So a lot of people, they go to Washington, D.C., politicians go to D.C., and once they get to D.C., it's like they totally change. It's like everything they promised that they would do for the people, they don't do. Well, now that we're here in, in office, we have to use discretion. After all, we want to be bipartisan, and we want to consider the other side as well. Well, well. well, hold on. You said that when you would get there, you're going to do all of these things. You said that you would represent us, and you would try to make our life better. So what happened? I I believe many times they, they do go there with good intentions, but they get there and they get hit in that fog, that political fog that just seems to make their brains not even work. Right. Uh, You, you have people that's that went to DC saying they love the church and they love Israel. And then they get to DC promising that if they got reelected, we're going to move the embassy to, um, to Jerusalem and they get there and they don't do it. How many presidents have said that and just lied and never did it except for one, Mr. Trump, God bless him. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I believe that we need to have leaders that actually love and care for their people. This is not just something where they have a selfish ambition and they want to climb a political ladder because of the, you know, the perks and benefits involved in doing that or the fame or the notoriety. No, no, we need to have servants hearts. We all need to have servants hearts. Praise God. Well, she had some hard questions, and uh, Solomon's answering all the questions, uh, but she brought a great retinue, camels that bore spices. That's good. Hey, you're more blessed than you know. If you're putting salt on your food and pepper on your food, you are enjoying what very few kings used to only be able to enjoy, pepper used to be one of the most uh, expensive spices now we take it for granted but it wasn't that way back then I still like pepper sometimes I put it on so thick I my, my wife she says Stephen you're putting on too much pepper oh no it's okay then I start eating it then I start sneezing yep she was right I put on too much pepper but I'm also thinking I'm enjoying something that for thousands of years only a few people had access to well she helped change that she's bringing in the heavy load of spices praise God Now, also gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. By the way, she brings this retinue of goodies. She's actually going to be sent back with way more than she brought. Oh, yes, she's bringing some nice stuff, but he's going to unload on her and show her what a blessing really is. Wow, isn't he nice? He's a nice man, isn't he? Verse 2, so Solomon answered all her questions, there was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. He, let me say it like this He's on a totally different level. Oh, that's being arrogant, Pastor Stephen. No, it's not being arrogant, it's just being honest. He was. This guy is walking on a total different level of genius. And despite the questions that are, are presented, there are some things that some people who are geniuses in their fields that it's hard to even ask the right questions because you can't get up on that level of that that they think they have a totally different way of thinking. (laughs) And unless you can get into that realm where they're at, you can't, you can't even ask questions because you couldn't even understand the answers. Even if they give the answers, you can't understand what they're talking about. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I mean, he had the touch of God on his mind now remember one touch from God and you can begin to come into this wisdom Mm, and it's going to be look I'm telling you it's going to be on the church it's going to begin to come on the church in the last days I'm not talking about people in the church that are just you know You know they don't read their Bible they don't pray they you know sometimes they're here sometimes they're not they're just half-hearted no no I'm not talking about that I'm talking about believers that are really after the Lord they're going to get touched with the wisdom of God this is what Solomon walked in this is what Daniel walked in and it makes a distinction in your life tapping into the wisdom of God let's go further praise God There was nothing that he could not explain to her. Woo. Woo. I mean, what if you had just a touch of that so that if those in your career field came to you, that there were not anything in that, in that category that you could not explain to them. Oh, what would happen to you? Well, 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 I think we all know what would happen. You would be blessed to walk in a position like that. My goodness. Verse three. It's going to get interesting. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon. We have to stop. It's too good. It's too good. We have to stop at the banquet table of God's riches of his word. We have to stop and just eat. Please take out your spiritual knife and fork. And let's just eat. This is too good to keep going. We have to stop here and have a feast. Praise God. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of God, well, I thought, Pastor Stephen, I thought that wisdom was intangible. I thought wisdom was this ethereal thing that you can't really see it, but it's just out there somewhere. No, it's real. Notice that it says, when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, Wisdom can be seen. Woo! Say that out loud today. Say, wisdom can be seen. I think, first of all, we need to understand what is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make right choices. Okay? To make right choices. Over and over again, you're operating in the wisdom of God and you're making right choices you know this was this was almost 30 years ago i was i was in college and i was running um running track and field having fun in college running track to the neglect of my studies i should have studied but i you know that caught up with me later my lack of study but nevertheless i was still having fun in college having fun running track and uh we had a very very gifted track team. We were division 2, but we were still ranked 3rd in the nation behind USC and UCLA. We were that good. So any any track meet that we showed up at, you know, everybody knew who was going to win the overall team title. It was going to be our our school. So we had we had some uh, amazing athletes. We had, we had Olympians on the track team. And for me, you know, coming from a small high school, being a pretty good runner in high school, going into this level, uh, I mean, it's just like, I mean, we had a world, we had the world record holder, pole vaulter. I'm not talking national record, world record holder. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys had uh, full endorsements with shoe companies before this became super popular you know but yeah a friend of mine he was fully endorsed by Puma he had had the latest coolest Puma stuff other guys endorsements by uh, other major shoe companies but uh, a lot of action going on on this track team and some really gifted athletes so uh, I was kind of like immersed into this world of world-class athletes and it helped lift me up to be a better runner Um, but you have to also understand that you know one of the keys to being great in that realm is number one raw natural talent number two start at an early age so that you know a lot of these guys are already on the level because uh, of being super duper because they started they started running when they're in elementary school well if you start in high school you're already you're already eight years to you know Behind, and you you can't make that up, but that's okay. it is what it is. We all have our different paths in life anyhow, and that was not my career path to be a professional athlete. Nevertheless, we had a lot of fun and I remember one time when we um we had a spring break, I think it was spring break that me and my friend, my friend he lived in Dallas, Texas, he said he said stephen let's take let's take Michael." Let's take him to the marathon that's going to be run over spring, spring break down in Dallas, the, uh, the Dallas White Rock Marathon. Let's take him and let's, let's stick him into the race and see what happens. <laughs> we thought, you know, he's a world-class runner. He's breaking national records everywhere. He's a phenomenal distance runner. Let's take him and just, you know, uh, put him in the race and see what, see what takes place. And so, you know, he thought it would be a good idea. Michael did the runner. And uh, even some of the professors from the university they, they enjoyed running they thought hey we'll go we'll go down there also we'll check it out and see what happens so we were going to be the team that supported him uh along the 26.2 miles we we didn't know what was going to happen we thought maybe he'd get in the top 20 uh but you know because you got pro runners that are paid for what they're doing so um he probably shouldn't have done it but he actually showed up and raced in his his university uh singlet you know the shorts and the top that has the name of the university well this you shouldn't do that because if you win you know technically as a college athlete you're not supposed to receive any pro money but you know we didn't we didn't know what we're really doing and i'm you know I, me and my friend we're in our early uh, you know early 20s and uh so we, we didn't really think he was going to win or anything like that so we, we're not we're not even thinking about stuff like that well uh to make a long story short uh we get there, there's probably three, maybe 3,000 people in the race. All these professional runners coming in from different nations to compete. And, you know, uh, we made sure that our, our guy was there. there. There's Michael on the front line. And the gun goes off 26.2 miles and the race starts. And after about, after about 10 miles, the pack begins to separate. After 15 miles, it's down to a handful of people. And he's still up there. To make a long story short, he won the whole thing really came down between he and a runner from mexico i wasn't too concerned about the runner from mexico why pastor stephen because before the race the runner from mexico had just signed a shoe contract with a uh with one of these uh big name shoe companies and he was very excited about his new pair of shoes that he was putting on now they were racing flats uh they were very light and they you know but he made a mistake uh that really at that level You shouldn't make a rookie mistake like that. You should walk in the wisdom of God. What's that? What is that wisdom, Pastor Stephen? You don't run a marathon with a brand new pair of shoes that you've never broken in before. When he crossed the finish line, his shoes were full of blood. When he started the race, they were white, solid white with a red stripe. I won't tell you the logo on the side, uh, but... They were beautiful white. When he crossed that finish line 26.2 miles later, they were soaked red with his blood. They completely rubbed and wore his feet. He he had never broke the shoes in, even though they were a very soft, comfortable shoe made for that. You you don't do that. You have to have something that you know that you can trust. You only go in the battle with a new sword if you know that sword is already calibrated to the... Standards that you're used to with your hand and the counterbalance with the with everything and you've, you you got to have all that ironed out or else you go in there trying to figure it out. This is not the time to test stuff. Like David told Saul, I can't be putting on this new armor. I'm, I'm not used to this. Anyhow, our friend won first place. They gave him a big solid gold medallion, prize money, everything. And we're we're thinking, you know, are you supposed to accept all of this? He was like, I don't know. He goes, I'm gonna take it for now. So. he took it today you know uh you know they have rules governing all of that so it is what it is praise god hallelujah but quite interesting so there's wisdom what is wisdom you make the right decisions over and over again you start walking in that wisdom of god it can even affect what shoes you wear Woo. Don't wear those shoes. If you want to win, wear those shoes instead. Ah, praise God. Wisdom, the ability of God to help you make right choices over and over. That touch of wisdom, the touch of wisdom. Mm-mm. Wow. One, one lady in uh, where was this the state was nevada me and my wife kelly went to her and her husband's house this was a house that was valued at millions and millions of dollars this was the type of house that wealthy people would fight over to be able to buy and you know they had a certain amount of money years back when they bought it but everybody was wanting to buy it when it was on the market I said, how'd you get the house? I asked the lady who was helping host his conference that we were speaking at. I said, um, how did you get that house up on the hill? Because we, we stayed there. We went up to it. It's a beautiful, beautiful home. She said, I'll tell you exactly how I got it. She said, I was going to go meet the realtor representing the seller. And she said, when I was getting ready that morning, I was in my uh, bedroom area. And she had all these perfumes laid out and you know I, I don't know 40 bottles of perfume everyone a very very beautiful brand of course and she said the Holy Spirit told her what perfume to wear can you believe that so she, she didn't know why so she takes the one perfume that the Holy Spirit directed her to wear sprays it on you know pretty strong and goes into her day and would you believe that when she's talking to the realtor the seller and also the seller shows up that perfume was their favorite perfume and it just absolutely that perfume just floored them they couldn't even think straight they just said you know what we're gonna gonna sell it to you and your husband for this amount that perfume whoo that's that has all that had been their lifetime favorite perfume and she shows up with it it was just instant favor instant favor whoo hallelujah she was able to buy the house everybody else wanted it but they they got it at the price that they want it, and today it's worth many millions more. Amazing, amazing home there in Reno, Nevada, overlooking everything. It was like the eagle's nest of the whole area. Praise God. Hallelujah. The ability to make right choices, whether it's the shoes you wear that day or the fragrance that you put on that day, or maybe a Holy Spirit says don't wear one. Usually when I minister, I don't ever wear any type of men's cologne. I don't wear anything because so many fragrances in the spirit start coming forth. I don't want anything to interfere with that. Praise God. So walking in the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, the ability to make right choices. It's also, this is very important. The wisdom of God is the ability to recognize difference, difference between what the Bible describes as good and evil. Difference between what's morally right and what's morally wrong. Difference between anything really, whether it's knowing, oh, there's difference here. Why? That person's the boss. You talk differently to the boss than as what you do to the other two thousand different employees of the company. You show a a respect and honor to the boss. Why? Because he's the boss. Why would you act like that? Because that's wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to recognize difference in a situation, in people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe wisdom can also be displayed in common sense. Um, You know, we have the hurricane situation going on uh, currently, and very interesting how, although this hurricane is coming in, and everybody knows there's going to be a storm surge which is when the water just keeps coming in, goes over the sand, goes over the beach, goes over the sand dunes, and just keeps on coming, you know, going long ways inshore, knowing that there's going to be a tremendous storm surge, not possibly, absolutely guaranteed. There's going to be a storm surge and then waves on top of that, yet yet you'll still have people living right there on the on the seashore on the coast who say we're not leaving what is that extreme lack of wisdom and today what's going on in the news today here's the coast guard and here's all the safety patrols now having to get out in all the little boats and go pick up all the people who are now stranded up in their attic because the water just keeps rising well we didn't know we we just didn't really know well that's because you were acting foolish you were acting foolish and now you're suffering the consequences of foolish behavior hmm praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, leaving early and having to evacuate is an inconvenience. Yes. So is dying. Dying, however, is a greater inconvenience. So why not just leave, be inconvenienced, and you can come back in a few days, praise the Lord. Well, we're just not going to do that. What is that? Lack of wisdom, lack of of wisdom. And you'd be surprised how many people have to learn the hard way, but not you. That will not be your testimony. That will not be your situation. You're going to walk in the wisdom of God. You're going to walk in the wisdom of God. You're going to make right choices continually. You're going to be able to recognize difference. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, um, wisdom, the ability to recognize difference also leads to honor. What is honor? Honor is rewarding someone for their difference. In other words, there's reward being heaped on Solomon. Why? He can answer your questions. And if a person has that ability to answer any question accurately that you can throw at him, what is that going to do? That's going to bring honor upon that person. What comes with honor? Reward. So if you are at a company, you are employed by your, uh, by, by the business that you work for, and you have the ability to answer questions, what does that mean? It means there's going to be reward coming your way. Praise the Lord, because that's, that's honor. That's what honor is. Honor is rewarding someone for their difference. Praise God. Wisdom, the ability to recognize difference. I was in a meeting one time years back when there was a strong move of God at the church that I belonged to. And, uh, I was, I was in a sense helping to usher one evening when, when the, when the place was just packed out with, with several thousand people. And I happened to see me and Kelly happened to see that a general of the faith, not, not not, a pastor of a small church of 20 people, although that's, God bless those pastors. Great men and women serving right where they're at. But I and my wife saw a general of the faith who's known around the world. We saw him walk into the church building. Nobody knew he was coming. It was unannounced. We saw him walk into the church building and sit with great humility on the very last row. He just sat down at the end of one of the one of the rows. It was the very last row. Thousands of people have been there uh, already in the building, and we saw him come and sit on the last row. Well, what'd you do? I, I, I did what only wisdom could demand a person to do. I went r- straight to the associate pastor who was in charge of seating, and I said I said, um, Pastor so and so, I said Reverend so and so just came into the building. He sat. He's seated sitting on the last row. And you know, what that, you know what that assistant pastor said? He said, ah, that's all right. Let him sit there. I said, you would let him sit on the back row? He's one of the greatest men of God on the planet. Ah, he can sit there. It's good for him. Let him be humble. Look, look that's not being humble. Somebody to say something like that, that's just being ignorant. I, you know what? Me and my wife knew that that associate pastor was a very unwise person in many ways. Really, if I can identify a lot of his behavior, it was based on jealousy. And so he didn't. He didn't care if that minister had to sit in the back. And so we knew that was wrong. So we marched right over to another associate pastor. Watch this, who had an excellent spirit, and we said to him, uh, Pastor so and so, we just need to let you know that Reverend so and so has just walked into the sanctuary. He's sitting on the back row. He and, and this pastor immediately, who was also a very wealthy man, he was a businessman and a pastor there at the church, associate pastor. He said he looked at us with astonishment. He said, he's here in the church. We said, yes, he's sitting on the back row. He said, get that man and bring him immediately to the front, bring him to the front. We'll put him right here. See what, what is that wisdom? What is wisdom? The ability to recognize difference, difference in greatness, difference in what could sometimes just be called normal, a normal day, a great day, a great person, a regular type person but it's the ability to recognize difference and then when you walk in that wisdom it will bring honor upon your life what is honor it's being it's re- being rewarded for your difference praise the lord so we put him in there on the front on the front row guess what guess what the service got moving guess who had the word of the lord the prophetic declaration for the for the whole congregation and really for the whole state that minister that we made sure got moved to the front why he is deserving of being on the front oh now pastor Stephen, we need to just treat everybody the same really what if billy graham were alive and he walked into your service would you just treat him as a normal person now here's the per, here's the man that god has used by his grace has chosen and selected and used to win more people to christ than anybody yet who's ever walked on planet earth no he's not a normal person he is a great man of God and if you cannot discern that or see that it's because of a lack of a lack of wisdom wisdom says he's different you don't treat him the same now now you you do love everybody you you do you do honor everybody but people like that, you honor them differently. You, there, there is a respect. Why? Because of God's grace gift upon their life. And when you honor them, you honor Jesus. And if you dishonor them, you dishonor Jesus who created the ministry office and also gave the ministry gift. Ephesians 4, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And if you mock and ridicule the gift, you mock and ridicule the giver of the gift wisdom the ability to recognize and discern difference praise the lord hallelujah it's all over solomon all over solomon and you could see it how can you see wisdom manifested through the evidences of the receiving of wisdom it's evidence through what you manifest in your life Well, what does it look like then? What does wisdom look like? I'm so glad you're asked. Let's talk about it today. Hallelujah. Here's what wisdom looks like. Verse 3, and when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon. Okay. I need to back up just for a moment to show you the first thing that is an expression and evidence of the wisdom of God. Number one, the ability to answer questions wisdom of God is the Holy Spirit coming upon a person very often associated with the spirit of counsel same spirit and when the spirit of counsel comes upon you you can answer questions in that field that is the stream that God has put you in praise God praise the Lord I cannot answer physics questions I can send you to somebody who can That's my wisdom in that area. If you want to ask questions about physics or mathematics, my wisdom is I will advise you to go see so-and-so who can take you off the deep end if you want to go into that just as far as you want to go. Praise the Lord. But in the other areas of my expertise, I I can talk to you. I can answer questions in that area. Praise the Lord. So wisdom expressed through the ability to answer questions. Glory to God. Let's go further. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, number one, wisdom expressed through, number one, the house he had built. Oh, Pastor Stephen, we shouldn't have a nice house. We should just all be humble and, and live in cardboard boxes. That way, every six months, we could even recycle our house and build a brand new one. no. No. Stay with the Bible. Stay with the Bible. Stay with the good old B I B L E. Wisdom can be expressed literally through the house that you live in. Praise God. Also, lack of wisdom can be expressed where you live. Lack of maintenance. Nothing ever fixed. Nothing ever taken care of. Roofs leaking. And it just keeps on leaking. No gutters storm door falling off whatever it might be no my friends let wisdom be expressed through your house God wants you to have a house and I'm bold enough to tell you the truth hallelujah that God wants you to have a house and if you're in an apartment thank God for your apartment let the wisdom of God be expressed in your apartment that if people come over it's neat it's clean it's it, everything's the way it should be and at the same time you're in that apartment be believing God for a house hallelujah why because you can express the wisdom greater through a house than you can through something else praise the lord hallelujah pastor Shima, i'm just happy to uh you know just go down to the local econo lodge and just rent a room there you know perpetually no no have a house why because now it's yours and you can put your stamp of wisdom upon it and then others can see that and it creates questions wow What a beautiful home you have. What kind of shingles are those? We really like your windows. What kind of windows are those? They don't fog up like our windows do. Okay, on and on it goes. Wisdom of God expressed through his house. Notice, God had no problem with this house. No angel came down from heaven and rebuked Solomon for his house and said, you shouldn't have built a house that big. You shouldn't have used all those cedar trees. Don't you know that you are cutting down trees and you're destroying the earth. We're trying to be green around here. No, no, there's plenty of trees. There's plenty of trees. And if we cut a few down, we could just plant a few more. Praise the Lord. We got a lot of trees in North Carolina. God wants you to have a house And He wants His wisdom to be expressed through you, literally through the house that you live in. It should be such a paragon of peace, such a place of holiness and uh, uh, sanctimonious glory from heaven that people go by your house and just... They just feel happy looking at your house Woo! hallelujah they just say that person is blessed I wonder who lives there Mm-mm. oh yes you'll, you'll always have envious jealous people don't, don't pay any attention to them just go ahead and have a nice house and it really the glory of God represented through your house it's not so much about the size it's about it's about the beauty of it it's just uh, you know there are some houses they, they they may be two thousand square feet, but they are just picture perfect. Whether it's Victorian style, whether it's, you know, gingerbread style, or whether it's uh, you know, craftsman lodge style, it, it's just that everything's put together right, well thought out. It was built with the wisdom of God. It drains properly when it rains. It's it's built so good and it just looks wonderful. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The wisdom of God expressed through a house. Thank you, Lord Jesus, the house that he had built. Mm. And God, and God did not give Solomon any rebuke for the house that he built, and it took years to build it. Praise God. I, I just need to tell you, a lot of the criticism in the body of Christ against those who have possessions a lot of the criticism is based out of nothing but jealousy that's what it is it's jealousy now they would never say they're jealous they're trying to act like they're spiritual reality is that they're just it's just raw green jealousy that's all it is praise the lord and really they wish they could have something like that but they can if you use your faith and trust god and you walk in the wisdom of god god can take you there too Hallelujah. May God's wisdom be expressed through the very home that you live in. Praise the Lord. May it be so, so beautiful, so attractive that it it inspires people to do something similar to what you've done. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. The wisdom of God was seen through his house. Praise God. Number four, the wisdom, excuse me, verse four, it was also the wisdom of God was expressed through the food on his table. What does that mean? Provision. The food on his table, my friends, was not ramen noodles. Now, if you like ramen noodles, and honestly, I do, I still eat them sometimes because I can cook them in three minutes, and, you know, they still taste pretty good for something that only cost, what, 20 cents a package? Praise God. But, you know, it's nice at times to have some other things on your table as well, just besides uh, ramen noodles. Praise the Lord. So there was provision. There was provision on that table. Whoo! Hallelujah. Don't you know that during the feast days, Oh, the tables were just loaded with all kinds of wonderful things. Prosperity. Prosperity. Oh, I'm not a greedy person. I'm not a covetous person, but I like prosperity. Uh, I, I, I like, I like Christmas time. And I like cherry pie. And if we have two or three different types of cherry pie, I get excited about that. Oh, I'm not going to force them all down at one time. That's why we have refrigeration. And that's why we have freezers. Praise God. So I can take it out a month later and, and just get another slice out. Let it thaw out. Hallelujah. But I like, I like a table of plenty. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God's nature really is that of more than enough. It really is a nature of abundance. So you need to let the Holy Spirit cleanse you from any old miserly, greedy, stingy spirit where the only thing on the table is a can of sardines. And you have to eat them with a plastic spoon. You can't use a metal spoon. It has to be made out of plastic. No, my friends enjoy the goodness of the Lord we don't abuse it but enjoy the blessing of God enjoy the goodness of the Lord hallelujah provision provision and that was a representation of the wisdom of God was literally the provision that was on the table praise God you know when I go minister at different churches and they put me in a nice hotel usually usually they put a gift a gift basket there and you know what's funny oftentimes I'll go into the meetings, fasting, seeking the Lord. And then I go to the hotel room and there's this giant gift basket. And I just think, you know, I'm fasting. I, I, you know, I'm not even going to eat this. What do what, what I do? I share it with people. I say, look, look, I, I can't eat all this. You know, somebody help me out with all the bananas and grapes. And you know, and, and all the food and snacks, but see, it's the it's the thought that counts. It's the love. Who I appreciate the love that they did that. Whoo, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. And sometimes I'm not fasting. You know, I'll go there and think, isn't this nice? Especially when all those wonderful little goodies are in the gift basket. Praise the Lord! It's so nice. Food on the table. Food on the table. Wisdom. No food on the table no food on the table, how uh, how can we say we're really walking in the wisdom of God? Now, I understand if you're in a certain country, and it's an unstable country, and the government is unstable, and uh, th- therefore, you know, the trucking industry is, uh, it cannot be consistent, and therefore grocery stores cannot really stock food with consistency. Sometimes maybe there's no food, no water, No beans. Okay. Now I understand there's a place we have to use our faith for miracles and we have to trust God. Hallelujah. But on a daily operating platform, we want stability. We want there to be peace. And as long as things are like that, we're walking in the wisdom of God, there should be some food showing up. And if there's not, then we need to get into the wisdom of God just as quick as we can, because it will produce it will produce wisdom. It will produce a place for you to live, and it will produce uh, food on your table. Good food. Good food on your table. Good food. I had a had one of my church members in, in my church one time. She was she had a real poverty spirit. And I kept teaching, kept teaching, kept teaching, and the teaching began to impact her life. And I said, um, I said, Look, I said, sister you have a poverty spirit on your life and God's going to help get that off of you. But you also need to start thinking differently. And I said that food that you're serving to the people at the homeless park, I said that food that you prepare for them and cook for them because she had cooked a bowl of it for me. I said, it's not good. I said, you should not serve food like that. And uh, it's not fit for human consumption. She said, Pastor Stephen, I appreciate you being honest. Uh, I guess you don't like my food, but you know what? I can still feed it to the homeless. I said, no. I said, you should not feed food like that to anybody. It's not good food. And uh, I said, you're doing this stuff because of a poverty mentality. And, you know, I tried, to, I tried to help her. She wouldn't listen to me. So she goes out to the park, and there's a bunch of homeless people out there, and she's serving them food. And, you know, there's about 30 people. They're, 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 they're hungry, so they're eating the food. Well, the group leader speaking on behalf of all the people came up to her and said look we we admit we're homeless and when you're when you're a beggar it's not like you can really you know say hey we, we would like to have this but he said look you've got to stop bringing us this food he said on behalf of me and all the people on behalf of, she said i'm speaking on behalf of all the people i'm kind of the leader here uh he said this is the most horrible soup we can't even eat it it tastes it tastes awful would you please stop bringing this to us he said now i know that we're homeless and this is pretty bold for a home homeless people to be saying but he said you're going to kill us with this food please stop feeding us this kind of food and so that woke her up and that really began to show her she had a spirit of poverty and um you know, when I, she came back and she told me about that experience at the park, I said, I told you, I said, don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feed anybody like that. You should never eat junk like that either. She's eating all this junk. When I'm trying to talk to her, she's eating this, this um, cookie snack that, you know, you get like you get out of a vending machine that costs 25 cents. I said, you shouldn't eat that. That food's been sitting on the, on some shelf. It's loaded with preservatives and it's not good for you. It's going to kill you. It's not healthy. I said, you should go to the grocery store. and If you're going to eat a cookie, buy a good cookie. And she got so stirred up in her faith by the Spirit of the Lord that she came back to the church a few days later, and she had a bag of Pepperidge Farm cookies that she had bought from the supermarket that cost $3. And she said, Pastor Steve, but I've never tasted food so good in my life. I said, I told you, it's been there the whole time. And God will help you. He'll help you to eat. Now, that that doesn't mean, of course, you go out to a Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and you could start eating a $100 steak, by the way, I've had those steaks. I think sometimes I could cook a better steak for $10. But the thing is, the thing is, is that God will take good care of you. And that is a representation of his wisdom. Hallelujah. And if you're eating food that really should be thrown in the garbage, you're not walking in the wisdom of God. Praise God. Pastor Stephen. I, I know what I'm eating is not healthy, but I, I don't have enough money to eat the good stuff. No, no, no you're not thinking in wisdom if you keep eating that you're going to have to pay later with health problems and now you've got to pay the doctor thousands and thousands of dollars because you clogged up all your arteries no it's not it's not wisdom stop eating stuff like that wisdom says how can that piece of food sit on that shelf for five months and still be good five months later because it's loaded with chemicals I should go on to the next point. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. So the wisdom of God was seen through the house that he built the food on his table, representing provision and the seating of his servants. What does that represent? It represents wisdom expressed through order. The, the seating of the servants order, everything in its place, everything in its place. And there is a place for everything where everything goes, This goes here, that goes there, and it goes there all the time, and that way when we look for it next time, it's in its place, we can find it, and um, a lot of our stress is caused by disorder and lack of preparation, and when you are prepared already ahead of time, now you go into it relaxed, why? Because everything's in order because you took the time to prepare so my friends we need to understand that order is very important what is order the proper placement of things if you allow your life to spin out of order you can go from disorder to a place really where you can get into a life even as a christian where things are even now profane what is profane well profane is to take something and use it in a way that it was never designed by the man, by the maker or the manufacturer to be used. Okay. So this table of, of mine that I'm using right now, that I do my Bible study on where I come in here and, and, and do my work and even teach to you from this table was made for office use. It was not made for me to stand on and change the light bulbs with. Well, I guess it would hold you up pastor Stephen. Yeah, but it's not made for that. And I'm not going to use it for that. That's what profane means it means to take something and use it in a way that it was never intended by its maker to be used I can take a pen and I can write and I can take notes now it's being used properly the pen is being used properly but if I take that pen and I go out and I try to fix something on my car uh, I don't have a screwdriver let's just use the pen no that is called profaning the pen standing on the table profaning the table Your mouth can be used to declare the glory of God, to teach others the knowledge of God's word, or you can use your mouth and profane your mouth by speaking words that are impure and unholy. That's called profanity, profane language. You are profaning your mouth. You're using it for, you're using your mouth and tongue for something that your creator never, you never intended for you to use it for. And a lot of this profaneness comes out of disorder. Anytime there's disorder uh, and, and this chaos, you're going you're to find the enemy uh, working in there. Praise God. Keep your life in order. Praise the Lord. Because that order is an expression of wisdom. Wisdom. Order. See, notice this. Food on the table. The seating of his servants. It, the, the, there, there's a way... And a place that you sit. There's order. White House dinners. International guest. Uh, uh, There's order at those meals. I used to work in high level banqueting and catering and uh, would, be, would get to uh, serve the governor. One time there was the governor's meeting, and I think uh, there at Texas, we maybe had like five governors all together at one time, the current governor and past governors. And, you know, we, we were able to serve the, the, the governors. There's a way you do it. There, there's a way the, the, the fork, the knife, the table, uh, the other forks, the, everything has a purpose. There's order to all of that. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that. Okay, let's continue on. See, the queen of Sheba is seeing all of this. She's seeing the house that he has. She's seeing the food on the table. She sees the seating of his servants. She sees the service of his waiters and their apparel. Well, the service of his waiters, well, that, that, that means that he has highly established protocol. There is a format to the serving. It's not, let's just everybody just give them some apples and, you know, bring it, let's just give them some meat and here's the food, take it and eat it. No, no. There's, there's protocol even in the way of serving. Oh yes, in the clothing, they, everybody looks really sharp. Uh, the, this category of servers, they're wearing this type of clothing. It's like on a cruise ship, you know, when they, when they serve thousands and thousands of meals every day. The, the servers don't come out in jeans and t-shirts. No, they come out dressed with, with tuxedos and uh, bow ties, and they look very, very nice. So there's order, and also there's structure in the serving, so there's protocol with the servants. Ah, what is protocol? It is the honorable way to serve, the honorable way to serve. Praise the Lord. Some of the highest level levels of protocol that I've ever seen established in the body of Christ have been, I would say, number one in South Korea, extreme levels of protocol. You talking about running smooth, okay because I remember I spoke one time in Seoul Korea and they said now Pastor Stephen there's going to be thousands of people and not only will we have to structure this smoothly so that you can speak get out get ready for the other meetings but they're going to want they're going to want you to sign your book so um, here's what was interesting when I'm at the book table signing books They have so much protocol that when the person brings the book for me, they've already got the book opened. They've already got the page turned back that they want me to sign on and they hand it to me. So, uh, everything is just super fast. I just sign, they go. Sign, and then and they move with protocol in, out, in, out, in, out, or, or else you're going to be there all day long. And so everything is already pre-planned, pre-prepared from the page, opened and held the right way, everything, all of it. And they're told to do that. Leadership helps them to do that. So I've seen very high levels there in South Korea. Um, some other countries I've been to just very, very developed in protocol. And I've been in some churches where there's no protocol. Anything goes. And when you when you have things like that, um, you you don't get to have accomplished the depth of ministry that you want to get performed. Why? Because it takes time. It takes structure. So there needs to be planning. And if you just go in and wing everything. Uh, you know uh, you could have you could have things happen that you don't want to happen that'll just eat up a lot of uh, time where that time could have been much better spent especially if you're bringing in a man and woman of God all the way from the other side of the planet and you want that person to speak okay you need to have structure so that we can maximize that anointing that's on his life because he's not going to be here except for a few hours so let's certainly not waste this by by you know something goofy okay let's have protocols structure, very highly developed in, uh, in Solomon's kingdom, praise the Lord. The food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers on their apparel, and his entryway, his entryway by which he, that would be Solomon, went, he went up to the house of the Lord. Mm. The entryway into which he went up into the house of the Lord. What is that? Presentation. Presentation. Oh, presentation, Pastor Stephen, is not important. That might be why some people don't have a job. Lack of presentation. Presentation is very important. I'm not saying that is why. It could be that you just haven't found that job yet. But there are some people that think presentation is not important. And it's, it's very important because I learned this in the book industry. Uh, Buyers will judge a book by the cover. Well, that's not fair. Well, it may not be fair, but that's just the way it is. And you can have great content. But if that cover of your book, which they only are going to glance at for a few seconds, if that cover does not captivate them and do something to hook their attention within three or five seconds, They'll just keep walking right down that aisle at Barnes and Noble because they've got a million other books to look at. So there has to be something about your book that of course does have substance, but also there needs to be thought that goes into the cover. Why presentation presentation has a lot to do with um, the gaining of favor with being accepted and just representing the wisdom of God. I'm telling you, there's wisdom in presentation, wisdom in presentation, presentation. I think, I think it can be taken too far sometimes, but then on the other side, which is the majority of the time, it's not taken far enough. It's not developed at all, or it's undeveloped and it's not given the attention that it deserves. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, that's why there's a billion dollar beauty industry, why because there's something about the presentation of a lady that makes her maximize her attractiveness can that be taken too far well of course it can where you're you know sitting in front of a mirror for three hours before you ever go outside so I'm not saying that's practical but I am saying that there are things about presentation that really in our culture they're they're essential praise God And if you don't brush your teeth and you don't use mouthwash, your presentation plummets. Woo, praise the Lord. These are things where there's wisdom in presentation. Always put your best foot forward. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just think about that. There is a presentation in the way that he went up to the house of the Lord. And the throne that he had in, in his house from which he judged was amazing. There was nothing else like it nothing else like it. Praise God. So wisdom of God expressed also through presentation, presentation. And sometimes you see things in people and you think, I love that. I love how they do that. I, I like how they present themselves. Mm, I, I stood before a great man of God just recently. I never met him before. Seen see him on TV all the time. And uh, we met, uh, but his presentation, excellent. And th- this is his off day, but his presentation, his presentation, sharp as attack, even in his relaxed mode, sharp as attack. And, and my wife said, "Wow, he was sharp," and and he was. You got to love it. There, there's something about presentation, and if and if you uh, if you look tore up from the floor up, people people notice that. And it does not reflect wisdom. It does not reflect wisdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. Presentation. The way he went up to the house of the Lord was very important. There, there, there was wisdom all over it. Praise the Lord. Let's continue on. And it says the entryway. His entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. Now, of course, when the queen of Sheba sees this, it says there was no more spirit in her. I believe she fainted. She passed out for just a few minutes. She was was totally overwhelmed by this. Praise the Lord. Notice the presentation of his going up into the house of the Lord. Everything Christ centered, the house of the Lord, that's what it's all about. The wisdom of God coming out from the house of the Lord, walking in the ways of God, a Christ-centered life. If you're not walking with the Lord, you're never going to be walking in the wisdom of God. Even if you have other temporary expressions of wisdom, perhaps you have wealth, perhaps you have health, perhaps you have you have you know, a good business, but you don't have the Lord. Oh, even Solomon, who wrote all of these things, said in the book of Ecclesiastes, what is the summation of this whole thing? What is life all about? Fear the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord and to walk in the commandments of God. So the greatest expression of the wisdom of God is to know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're watching me today and you're intrigued by the splendor of God's wisdom and how it can touch you. My friends, it all begins with knowing Jesus Christ, God's son, and receiving him into your life and having a personal relationship with him. If you've never done that, I'd like to ask you to pray with me right now. Just say this. Say, "Father God in heaven, I'm a sinner." And I come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I ask that you wash all of my sins away. And I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior into my life now. Jesus, come into my heart and give me your new life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Father, in Jesus' name, amen amen praise God now you are a candidate to have the wisdom of God to begin to flow into your life on an ongoing basis so exciting I want to share something about a woman who was a a wife and a mother but yet who walked in incredible wisdom of God praise the Lord thank you Lord Jesus thank you lord jesus let me just read to you a little bit about her life i've got some notes on her somewhere around here about when she was when she was born there she is her name is anna maria taigi her last name is italian of course t a i g a please excuse me all of my italian friends if i'm not pronouncing her name correctly She lived in Italy, and she was born in 1769. She passed away in 1837, and she's known as, uh, in the Catholic Church circles, as blessed. She's in the process of canonization, of moving to what they call sainthood status. Sainthood status being attributed to somebody of great Um, Moral integrity and a great person in the kingdom of God. Now, of course, we know as believers, we're all saints uh, as we are in Christ. That was just a um, notation they used for somebody uh, who was a very holy person. So this lady, very holy woman. Uh, I want to share a little bit about her also because those of you that think, well, I can never really tap into this wisdom, Pastor Stephen. I I work a full-time job. Some of you are mothers. Uh, some of you have, uh, uh, you know, multiple children. Uh, you, you, so you're married and you just say, I, I don't have time. That's why I want to use her as a great example because she, um, she was married and also had children. Praise the Lord. Um, there was a book written on her. Uh, the, the title of the book, in case you want to buy it, the title of the book is called Wife, Mother, and Mystic. This was published in 1970 by TAN Publishing, T-A-N, TAN Publishing. Uh, By the way, a great publishing house uh, established in 1967 and still located in Charlotte, North Carolina. They really put out some fantastic books. Praise God. All right, let's talk a little bit about her life. Um, For 47 years, she had an, an experience as a wife, as a mother, where God granted her the ability, the grace to be able to look into his wisdom. And this, this took place in her life ongoing for 47 years. And what would happen is there, there would be a ball of light that would appear to her. Now, everything that she saw was always in harmony with the scriptures okay so the wisdom of god first and foremost is the word of god so anything that god shows you that's wisdom related will always balance with the scriptures and so she could look into this light and have all access to the wisdom of God I want to share this because I believe the wisdom of God is coming to the church that it's going to begin to touch you and you will begin to operate in the same wisdom that God flows in and all you need is just a little touch he's omniscient but he can just show you things here and there that would make your life so wonderful so it says there began to appear to her a golden globe of light which would shine like the sun. And she, she could see it. It would just appear before her. Uh, and in this light, all things were revealed to her. Past and future were revealed to her as an open book. She knew with certainty the fate of the dead. Her gaze traveled to the ends of the earth and discovered there people on whom she had never set eyes, reading to them the depth of their souls once uh one glance sufficed upon whatever she focused her thoughts it was revealed to her and her understanding she was able to see the whole world as we see the front of a building and she could see uh nations she could see individuals she could see the cause and the distress of nations and she could also see in the wisdom of god their remedies that would heal them praise the lord hallelujah so the poor, the great of the world, the princes of the church came to her for advice and for help. So anytime you begin to operate in the wisdom of God, just like Solomon, people start coming to you. They're going to want to be able to ask questions and to be able to tap into that wisdom of God that's flowing through you. And they found in her Uh, in the midst of her household all the cares of her life the you know the basic things that she has to do as a mother and a husband the uh, times that she was even sick but yet still operating in that wisdom it says she refused neither her last meal of bread uh, nor her moments of her time yet she would not accept any praise from anybody she would give all the glory to the lord but i tell you i tell you if you read about her life she could so see into the wisdom of god that kings royalty princes Uh, poor people all people of all different walks of life would come and say i have this trouble i have this problem can you show me the wisdom of god concerning this and she could see into that light and see the solution to that problem even the solution for kings of why their nations would be suffering from certain uh troubles and what the solution would be oh my goodness praise god she saw people who handle affairs the places concerned the opinions that those would hold the sincerity or the guile of certain ministers all the backdoor diplomacy of her era and also the decrees of God for the confusion of the mighty ones she saw the plotting and the dark gatherings of various sects the members of those societies their ranks their ceremonies all in the most minute detail and in all parts of the world ah Oh, you know, it reminds me of a pastor who was uh, recently was driving his car down the road uh, uh, in a certain uh, major city in Dallas. I won't name the city, but he said, "Lord," he said, "I've heard a lot about the um, the illicit sex industry uh, of underage children in my city," and. You know, I'm asking for your wisdom. What can I do to be involved to help? How can I help? I, I don't even know where to begin. And he's driving down the freeway. This is a true story. He's driving down the freeway, and God shares with him his wisdom. He allows that pastor to look into the wisdom of God, and God shows him, I believe it was 13 young teenage girls chained to the wall of a building he's driving past. He could see in there and see them chained like animals to the wall, and he said, "Oh my Lord, he said, what am I supposed to do about this i you Lord, now you've opened me up to this wisdom you've shown me this i I don't even know what to do and the lord Lord told him what to do, the called the authorities, and uh, he found out by by the way that the authorities are open to tips like this that if you 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 know stuff like this. Uh, and you're accurate with it, they will respond to you and you can build up a, a rapport with them. Well, the police showed up and they, they go to this place and break in there. And sure enough, there they are. The third, uh, I think it was 13 young teenage girls chained to the wall, being sold and trafficked as sex slaves. You know, the number one city in America for illicit sex slave trafficking, which is illegal and disgusting do you know what the number one city in America, where more of it takes place than any other city? Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, Pastor Stephen, it looks like such a beautiful city. It is a beautiful city. But the underground, I, I don't mean, you know, necessarily going down in a subway. That's not what I'm talking about. But the underground, the secret, illegal sex trafficking here. Uh, it pr- it runs into the billions of dollars, and it's networked all through America. Anytime you have a Super Bowl, a major sporting event, billions of dollars are generated with illegal sexual activity, where young teenage girls who have been captured and caught, they're trucked in and they're brought in for all the men that are in, uh, the perverted women that they all want to, you know, have all these sexual um, uh, things accomplished and done. Uh, any major sporting event especially world cup soccer where you have these great in gatherings of, particularly of men um, uh, there is enormous amounts of illegal sexual activity with these young teenage girls that have been captured in this many of them literally chained and so we are doing what we can to pray for exposure and there is one political party that loves to cover it up and there's a lot of it going on in this one political party there's things God has showing me as I have looked into the wisdom of God and sometimes you, you think Lord I didn't want to see that but you have revealed that to me and I, I'm aware of that so I'm going to pray about that and sometimes uh, there's things you can also do where God wants you to do more than just pray praise God but there, there are um, uh, horrible levels of wickedness that we must always be on our spiritual toes. And um, I, I believe there will be people that when these things are exposed, they're going to go to prison and they're, they're very much deserving of going to prison. And, and not only that, they're not willing to repent. They don't want to repent. And I believe God's going to, God's going to expose a lot of this. I also believe sadly enough that a lot of this is also because we're in the last days, and th- this is global. This is not just a problem that, that America is dealing with, the sex trafficking industry. But um, it, it's, it's uh, prevalent in a, uh, certain parts of Asia and other countries of the world, South America. They, they have major problems with it. And um, I, I've been to what would appear to be beautiful countries. But that's just on the surface. When you find out what's really going on below the surface, you're like, oh, this, this, is, this is sad. Sad. Young boys, young girls, teenagers, even, even some of them, not even teens. You know, I'm talking eight, nine years old, captured in chains. Lord have mercy. Praise God. But God will, as you look in, God will show you things as you look into his wisdom. That light will show you things, and you will be able to see. See, God knows everything. He knows everything. Praise God. Hallelujah glory to God. God would allow you to see something so that you can help, something so that you can intercede. Remember Ezekiel was a priest. Ezekiel worked in the temple, but they were taken into captivity. But even in captivity the Holy Spirit would come and he would lift up Ezekiel, would lift him up by the hair, and pull him up with his spirit, and take his spirit all the way from Babylon back to Israel, and God would allow Ezekiel to look into the wisdom of God and to that light and he could see all the perverted, sinful, wicked things that the people of Israel had done to be hauled off in the captivity. Why they were deserving to be hauled off in the captivity. And those that were still in the land that, that were allowed and remained to stay there were still in idolatry, still in all types of perversion And demonic activity. And God showed it to him, every bit of it. He got to see it. He goes, Oh, that's what they're doing, huh, Lord? And the Lord says, Yep, that's what they're doing in secret. That's what they're doing in secret. And uh, God's going to allow His people to be able to walk in His wisdom, in His wisdom, in many, many different areas. Woo, praise the Lord. You're going to have answers. Glory to God. It's it's like a light that illuminates, a light that you can just begin to look into that light. Praise the Lord. God's going to show you glorious things. God's going to also show you things that, that grieve his heart. And that allows you to share, as it says in the scriptures, in the sufferings of Christ, because the Lord sees it all the time. So he'll allow you to sometimes touch So that you can feel the feelings of his infirmities, those things that hurt his heart. You'll be able to identify with that. I've seen things like that. Some things I just want to turn away from. And the Lord said, I allowed you to see it so that you could pray concerning it. One day it'll all be over with. But until that day comes, uh, these are things that we need to be aware of. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people, just like this dear woman. Oh, some of the things my friends were amazing that she saw, but Oh God, I pray that just like this dear woman saw into the light, into your wisdom, because your glory and your wisdom are all in that realm of brilliant light. I pray father that your wisdom begin to touch the understanding of the church of your people that we walk in this light, that we be a company of people flooded and saturated with light walking in the fear of the Lord. Thank you, Father, staying away from those things of defilement and pollutant, walking in the light, walking in your wisdom. Father, the same expressions of wisdom found in the life of Solomon, may they be found in our lives. All of these expressions are pure and clean, everything from order, everything from a godly house. Lord, let these beautiful expressions of wisdom be in our life. Thank you, Father God. Father, even Jesus said that wisdom is justified by her children. That even the message that he and John the Baptist preached was justified by the righteous results of dramatic changes in people's lives. Being delivered and set free from sin. Therefore, what they're taught was true because it's justified by the results it's producing. So, Father, we thank you that as we walk in your wisdom, it produces real concrete evidence. May it be so in our lives and even as the Queen of Sheba said, I have seen the wisdom of Solomon. Father, that people say we have seen the wisdom of Christ in their lives. It works. We want in on it. Now, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father God. Fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with your wisdom. Put in us a hunger for your holy wisdom whether it's the shoes we wear or the shoes we don't wear the choices we make and the choices of certain things. We also say no to father. Let us have that understanding of making right decisions consistently. We give you praise father. Father, put us in the light, put us in the light and let us consume your word because this is also your wisdom personified. Woo. Woo. Thank you, Father God. This dear woman, when she first looked into the wisdom of God, the brilliant light of God, and the Lord said, I'm going to show you my wisdom. She saw wisdom personified as a a lovely young lady sitting in deep thought, thinking, "Mm." and that's why when you read the book of Proverbs, wisdom is also personified as a woman. What does it mean that something's personified? It means it's represented in this way wisdom of course is not not a woman wisdom is God wisdom is his word but he represents it this way so that we can understand it okay so we can wrap our understanding around it it's often represented in the book of Proverbs as a holy virtuous industrious Israeli woman woo and all the beautiful attributes associated with a godly mother of Israel mm. and so that helps us understand the, the wisdom of God praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with your brilliant wisdom, the splendor of your wisdom in Jesus name. Amen. It's coming in every facet of your life. Let's take communion together today. And I want to say welcome to the body of Christ. All you new believers who have given your heart to the Lord, please take communion with us. Now that you're a Christian. Now that you belong to Christ, you can receive Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. If you don't have any, pause the video just for a moment. Go grab it, and we can take it together. All right. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. This is your wisdom. This is now the blood and the flesh of Christ. This is your wisdom. John chapter 6, Jesus said, It is Food and drink indeed it is my my bread and it is my body and it is my, my my blood we thank you father God in the form of bread and juice so father we receive the body of Jesus now we thank you that all of his promises are yes and amen we thank you for prosperity we thank you for a nice home that that's your wisdom and we're not going to let anybody talk us out of that father if somebody wants to live in a doghouse, they can but father we're going to walk in your wisdom and we're going to live in a nice house that is your wisdom and you commend it Solomon for it we thank you father God for nice homes hallelujah father we do not have to apologize for wisdom we will not embrace foolishness because it's popular hallelujah father we receive the body of Jesus now in his name Amen. Don't let critics form your theology. Let this book form your theology. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, all we want to do is be as close as we can to you through your Son, living holy, getting prepared for heaven, our eternal home getting prepared to see you face to face on that day. Father, we receive the blood of Jesus. We thank you that as we are in him, we are connected with his righteousness and his righteousness. His right standing with you becomes ours through his shed blood. And we, we partake of that father God in faith. We receive it because that is where we're at in Christ. That is our spiritual position. Thank you, father God. It's not because we're worthy. It's because he's worthy and we're in him. As we drink this, we thank you for complete forgiveness of our sins and a clean conscience before you and before our fellow man. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us now receive the blood of Christ. Lean into the wisdom of God. Lean into the light and devour the word of God. I mean, just devour it, devour it like a T-bone steak, devour it. Hallelujah. And watch the Holy spirit, illuminate it. (laughs) You're going to be a lighthouse from within spirit of God shining out of you. Father, bless your people. We thank you. We thank you that you're speaking to us. Now the importance of wisdom, we embrace it. Your wisdom in Jesus name, flood your people with it in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Till then, walk in the wisdom of God. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.